Okay, so we're uh, still middle of the 15th letter. I want to try to finish the letter today and kind of, uh, you know, go through the, the rest of the letter pretty quickly. The letter is really uh, taking everything from the, uh, the, you know, that he said until now and applying it to the challenges that he presented um, at the beginning in the first letter, right? So the uh, Yaman sends him a bunch of challenges and the Hirsch presents his idea of Yiddishkeit and then uses it to really explain uh, everything. So let's just, uh, again, he's going through one by one on the bottom of page 202. And he says, What about the difficulties caused by the observance of the Torah in our way, in our days, and the limitations that imposed upon our traveling, our deals with Gentiles, our business activities, right? Almaisa, keeping the Torah mitzvahs makes it very hard for us to live, a lot of inconveniences, Shabbos, Yom Tov, etc. Oh, thank you. So he says, Let's suppose for a moment that all these complaints and hardships, right, let's just say they're talking true, right? If we take life significant seriously, if you see in Judaism a task to be discharged in all times, and circumstances and a rule of life which we are duty bound to obey the difficulties and burdens which this obligation entails should not accept this recovery, right? So in other words, yeah, you know something? Let's say it's true. And he's going to say in a minute that it's not true, but let's say it is true. I mean, listen, Yiddishkeit is the most important thing in the world, right? The obligation, the opportunity, the, the, uh, right? the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the obligation that Yiddishkeit puts upon you is tremendous. And therefore, yeah, it would be worth it. Yeah, if any you're not going to be able to make as much money, right? Again, you know, uh, you know, it's like it's funny. We like we, we, we have to. If we feel we feel like I was had a conversation yesterday with someone. You know, because this uh, this music app that now the the Baruch Hashem was banned the twenty four six. You know, okay, we're coming out with a band now, Mitzvah Shem Lakewood. Sure. So uh, what? Yeah. So um, no, that's a good thing because otherwise people would be listening to you know, Shweki and so on. No, so uh, so. Um, and someone's like, you know, the problem is, like, you know, these internet filters, they're, they're terrible, they don't work, they crash your system, it slows it down, and if, you know, they have to... So I said, you know what I mean? That, maybe that's, 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 that's a cost that you're willing to pay in order to, to have a safe home. It's like, like, Yiddishkeit's not allowed to be inconvenient at all. Like, a chas v'shom, we have to have any inconvenience in Yiddishkeit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? There's a cost to, to, to being a from Yid, and uh, you know what I mean? It's a cost that we're willing to pay. So we're absolutely willing to pay that cost because of the tremendous obligation and the, and the privilege that we have of being a Yid. So uh, the first of all, yes, even if everything you're saying about Yiddishkeit is true, that it affects your business, etc., that's a cost that we're willing to pay. However, let's look more closely. And again, he goes through, he says, uh, so once a week you're taking off Shabbos, he says, you know, you know, skipping a little bit, do you really think that you can't observe the Torah because you're commanded to cease your business activities for a seventh part of your time? and thereby to testify that your right and ability to take possessions of the world come from Hashem alone, right? The idea that the Shabbos is declaring that everything comes from Hashem, like is that, is that a cost that's too high, you know? So one, one day a week you take off to remind yourself of that, is that really going to have such an impact? You know what I mean? By refraining from work on Shabbos, you actually prepare and consecrate yourself to make use of Hashem's blessing, right? Which truly sacred really belongs to Hashem Himself, right? So you take one day off, in order to give meaning to the rest of your week, you really think that's going to have a terrible impact on your business? I, and nowadays, we live in a time where you have to answer emails right away, and everything is very high pressure, and, you know, all the groups and everything, you know, instant. But, you know what I mean? Figure out a way. You can figure out a way to take one-seventh off and do it in a way that uh, has meaning to your life. It'll actually improve your life. It'll make you healthier. It'll make you happier. Right? He says, Yomtif, one-seventeenth, Right to, uh, to, to, to remind yourself of your role as a Yid, to remind yourself what the purpose of Klai Yisrael is. Do not blush for shame at complaining about such a summons. Right? So yeah, we, 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 we give you a couple of, uh, couple of days a year you know, where we are, you're focusing on things that are really important. Is that really going to have such a bad impact? 
says, or, or, or of course, if you, if you think that you're born only to amass riches and to see pleasure, the bottom of page 203, if your eyes, your status in life is determined by the extent of your possessions or the degree of your enjoyment, right? So if you think that the purpose of life is to enjoy life, is pleasure and money and power, okay, yeah, then it doesn't make sense. You know, take a week off and, uh, you know, take a week every seven day off, it's a big problem, he says. But if you realize that uh, what the purpose of your life is, then the fact that uh, your big business is a little inconvenience, that's not going to make a problem, fakert. Right? Page 204. But try to understand Shabbos in the spirit of Judaism. See that it represents the basis of your entire purpose in life, and at the same time, sublime and spiritual fulfillment of that purpose. Through observance of Shabbos, you bear witness that there is a God, that there is only one God, and that man was appointed to his and only his service. Right? In contrast, give thought to the hor- horrible absurdity of the idea of desecrating Shabbos for the sake of material gain. Right? What are you saying? Right? For the sake of my daily bread and my family's prosperity and to obey the means that should be used for doing work, I deny that there's a God who owns the world and all that there is in life. Right? That's what I'm saying. In order to make a few bucks, I'm denying that God exists. Right? That's what Shabbos is. Shabbos is, is, is proclaiming that the Rebbein Shalom created the world. Right? And for a few extra dollars, uh, you're, uh, you're denying that. Right? It's how ridiculous it is. Right? Surely these reflections will make you withdraw the hand you lifted on Shabbos in order to pursue your business dealings. Moreover, I can assure you that if you would conceive of your own life in the Shabbos spirit just once, if just once you would think of yourself as being the object of Hashem's attention, as Shabbos teaches you, if just once you would feel that you were given life by God and that you live a world fulfilled by God's presence and that your life is guided by Hashem throughout, if you feel that you are the child and servant of the one alone, that your entire being existence depends on the word of the one and only Father and Lord, that every breath of life is His gift, every faculty is grant, every happening in your life is providence and you thus conceive of yourself, right? Surely then you will no longer see any reason for complaints, right? So again, a very basic idea that Yiddishkeit, first of all, you know, it's, it's worth any cost, right? The fact that, you know, to stay loyal to the Rebbein Shalom, and you know, it does exist till this day in certain industries where like, you know, I have a friend who, you know, is an attorney, so in the corporate world is still, you know, being a from Yid is not something which is, uh, which makes it easy for you. But you know what I mean? That's a cost that we're willing to pay. That's something that's, uh, you know, we're not, part, we're not part of the boys club, you know, the fact that we can't work as many hours because we can't work on Shabbos and Yom Tif and Friday, right? You have these very, very common where a guy starts a new job, you know, the, he graduates law school, starts with some big firm. It's always the beginning of the year, right? It's uh, after the summer. And they're coming to work. And two weeks later, he's uh, taking off three-day Yom Tov Rosh Hashanah, three-day Yom Tov Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, right? It's like a Yom Kippur. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. But it's a cost that we're willing to pay. But then he says, but look, think, think about what you're saying. Think about the problem over here. You're catching that the Torah is making inconveniences. Shabbos, Yom Tov, right? These are obviously the biggest inconveniences in work. It's like, what are Shabbos and Yom Tov offering you? Right? They're giving you the correct perspective on life. Shabbos is reminding you that the Rebbe created the world and that everything that comes afterwards, right? for six days you work and Shabbos reminds you what, you, what your work is all about. Right? Shabbos, you can't go through a week without a Shabbos. Shabbos is really there. Adam was born right before Shabbos. He couldn't go through a six days of the week without a Shabbos. Right? It tells you that everything that you're doing should only be done because the Rebbe Hashem allows you to do it, because the Rebbe Hashem, right? And therefore that tells you how everything, right? It's, 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 uh, that, that gives meaning to everything that you're doing. Right? So if the purpose of you going to work is just to create you know, money and pleasure, then yeah, i got nothing to say to you. The Shabbos is a big, it's a buzzkill. But if you recognize what the purpose of life is, then these things are the greatest bracha. Yom Tif, the same thing. Right? So, uh, so, uh, he says like this. Let, let's skip down to the 205, to the, to the third, second paragraph. But what about our relations with the Gentiles? We make ourselves so conspicuous when we are recognized as once as Jews, right? It's like, oh, well, look at that Jew, right? You go to the thing, you know? Uh, you know, you go ask the guy for a Yankee game, or he's wearing his Yankee cap. Oh, how do you know you're Jewish? Right? It's like the, right? It's like oh, it's so obvious. We're walking around. We're different. 
right? But then, who tells you to deny or conceal the fact that you're a Jew? Be a Jew, a true Jew. Strive for the ideal of the real Jew, the fulfillment of the Torah in justice and loving kindness. Seek to command respect because of your Jewishness, not in spite of it. Right? Understand your own Jewishness and spread its true meaning among your non-Jewish brethren through your words and even more through your way of life. Then you will no longer have any reason to complain that you can't conceal your Jewishness. Right? Be happy. Be happy that you're a Jew. Be a proud Jew. And, uh, and, and, and let people know that you're behaving in such a tremendous way because you're Jewish. That's a tremendous brach. You know, I was on the, I, was, I went to the NSSL two weeks ago. And um, so there was a big balagan near my seat because there was a uh, Hasidic guy. He didn't want to sit next to a girl. Right? And, uh, you know, he, was, he, was being, he wasn't being obnoxious about it. I didn't think he was acting, you know. Was, okay, some people are offended by even the notion, right? And he's mixing seats around. And anyways, after all the balagat, it turns out that the seat next to me was empty, and then, you know, there was a woman that was sitting in the other aisle seat. So, and this woman turns to me afterwards, like, is that okay? She was like, Israeli, like, is this okay? You know what I mean? Like, uh, what she just did, like, I have nothing against religious people, but, you know, is this okay? And then, like, first of all, the rest of the flight, we had this empty seat. She, as soon as the guy got up, she dumped all of her stuff on the seat, and, like, I even, like, went near that extra seat. She, like, gave me her dirty looks, like, you know what I mean? Like... Right, you don't like his behavior, but you're just as selfish and, and nasty. And then, like I, I told her, I said, I said, I said if if you can't, you know, ask for something, you know, in the name of your religion on an El flight to Israel, I'm like, like, where could you? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to Israel, you have your country, we're Jewish. Like, if you can't ask for something in the name of your religion, like, come on, you know what I mean? Like, this is this is what you want. You want to you want to be able to be openly Jewish, right? Okay, listen, you have to be tactful and you have to dig and offensive and it's a complicated question. But the idea that you should be proud to be Jewish, you shouldn't, you shouldn't apologize, right? And, 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 you should, uh, and you should seek through your, through your Yiddishkeit, you know, to, 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 to be a blessing to people. But you grumble that you'll not be able to eat, uh, to be on more intimate terms with them if you can't eat and drink in, in social gatherings, right? Oh, we can't eat with Goyim, we can't go to bars, we can't go to this. Again, I would say, practice righteousness and loving kindness as the Torah teaches you. Be fair in action, truthful in speech, bear love in your heart for your non-Jewish brethren as the Torah teaches you. Feed their hungry, clothe their naked, comfort their suffering, heal their sick, counsel their misguided, assist them by word and deed. In short, display the entire noble breadth of your Judaism. Do you really think that they won't respect and admire you? They will not attain a degree of intimacy compatible with your own way of life. Right? You don't have to sit there and party. You know, it's like we have this impulse. You know, we see all the time. You know, like you, you know, I go to like the property. I go to like some property down in Yehopis, and oh, we have to talk about the Super Bowl and how we know about the sports. Right? It's like you know, you have to show that you know you you're in on all the on all the stuff. Like you know, what I mean, you can you can be different. You can be separate and, and do and do what the terror demands of you. Again, here you see of Hirsch very very much you know, projecting a Yiddishkeit outward, right? Chesed and all these things, even with non-Jews, right? And that's something which I think the film world doesn't do much of today. Maybe we're just so, so much to do internally that we don't have the, the extra money to like, to be outward about our chesed. But, you know, you, you be a Yid and you, uh, and you, you know, do what's right and do the right thing and, and help people and be kind. Again, be kind with your employees, be kind with, you know, with, with your coworkers and, you know, help people when they need and, 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 uh, and that you'll, you'll, get, you'll be a lot closer with them on your own terms. You don't need to sit there and, and, and party with them in order to feel like you're, uh, you're close with them. But to become still closer, as a member of the family, you want to marry a non-Jew, surely you recognize that until the advent of universal brotherhood, this should not and cannot be. Right? Lost in love, I will serve Hashem, we can talk about it. But right now, he says, you know, you can't really, you know, you, you surely cannot resent it to the law. This approves of marriages with non-Jews because it wants you to raise your children the most precious pledges solely on his tire, right? By marrying a non-Jew, you're bringing non-Jewish influences. Yeah, we respect you, we care for you, we do everything. But my so we have to stay separate. We want to be able to raise a family, you know. Once you comprehend your aim in life and your soul's calling, 
all your complaints about the difficulties of upholding Yiddishkeit will vanish. They are felt so keenly in our times, and indeed you have become more burdensome, only because the true spirit of Yisrael has been lost from sight, and its children no longer know and respect themselves. Thus, indeed, sons of Yisrael demand that Yisrael's duties be violated. Right? In other words, because we misunderstand Yiddishkeit, you have all these tigers. Right? Recognize what Yiddishkeit actually is, recognize what it's meant to be, and then you realize that all of your, all of your questions really fall apart. So again, it's a long letter, and, uh, and if, we can, if, we can, you know, if we can sum it up, right, it's recognizing, understanding what a Yid is, understanding, again, for a German Jew, and I want to I talk more about you know, nowadays in a minute, but for a German Jew, the idea that you have to be separate and different was very, very, you know, you want to be a good German, you want to be part of the world community, you want to be part of the world economy and the world education system, that was a tremendous drive for them. Right? And Yiddishkeit was really hampering it. It's like, look, Yiddishkeit, and we'll talk again in the 18th letter about how things got to where they got. It's a very, very important letter. But ultimately recognize that the Yiddishkeit in its ideal way is not meant to take a person out of this world. Yiddishkeit in its ideal is meant actually to be very much a part of this world. That is what Yiddishkeit is. It's telling you how to live your life in this world in the optimal way. The role of Klai Yisrael in particular is, is meant to be that Erlugayim is to be the nation that demonstrates the correct way to live life. Right? So that's a tremendous privilege of being a Yid. And again, there are some costs to that, absolutely, but the benefits far outweigh the costs. And really, it's, a, it's, a, it's about what your life is. What is the purpose of your life? Right? What, are you, what are you living life for? Are you living life in order to just to have pleasure, in order to, 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 make, to become famous? Or are you living a life in order to, to serve the Rebbein Shalom and, and, and fulfill your role as a Yid? And if you look at it that way, then there's no challenge that's too great. There's nothing that's, uh, you know, that's not worth it. I want to just, just, you know, again, I think in the, in the first letter when we discussed it, we kind of added some of our own challenges about nowadays. Um, I think that in the next few letters, particularly the 18th, the 18th letter is where he describes how things got to where they are. Like, why, are, why is Yiddishkeit so messed up? How, how was it that we have such a perverted view of Yiddishkeit? How was it that, you know, um, uh, you know 90% of Kaisa went off to Derek in a, in a matter of decades, right? So he goes through the history and he explains where, you know, and I think a lot of very, very important points that will be relevant to us. But just as a, as a, as a, general, a general idea, nowadays, I don't think most of us are, are tempted by, you know, being like the Goyim. I mean, you know, we don't want to be like the Goyim as much as we, we think that the Goyim have, a, a, you know, the things in the non-Jewish world are wonderful, right? We like the culture, we like to be part of that world, not because it's the Goyim world. We don't have the Yetzirah of be like the Goyim, but we want to do the things that the Goyim do because we think that those are great. In other words, we're seeking money and pleasure and wealth and all these things. You know, it's... We just left? <laughs> right? So, uh, so... Again, I think, a few, I think a few key points that we could bring out from Rav Hirsch, where Rav Hirsch could really give us a change in perspective. First of all, recognizing that Yiddishkeit is not just about you doing the mitzvahs in your own Dalai Amas, right? Well, you know, it's, it's something which is difficult, right? When you, you know, you, you look at Yiddishkeit as something that you have to do. There are some boxes you have to check off. And as long as you're doing that, right, it's like the, it's like the you know, the, the cliche joke about the, the Kashala Pesach, you know, non-Gabruks, Kashala Mahajan with, you know, in, in nine days of picking out or whatever, you know what I mean? It's recognizing that as a Yid, you're part of something broad, right? It's not something that we focus on a lot in Yeshiva, but that you're part of a broader world, that there's a mission as a Yid. It's not just about you yourself, you know, we became very, very you know, inward-looking as a nation, right? And everything became like, even like Pesach, you know, you read the Shmuzim about Pesach, is all about, Chametz is all about the Yetzirah, right? The Sa'ar Shev the Yetzirah, and Gashmi. Yes, there's a lot of that, and Musr was right. 
But recognizing that Pesach is the birth of a nation, right? This is Hashem creating a nation, and there's something called the Klai Yisrael, which you're part of, and there's a role not just as an individual, but you have a role as a, for you as a nation, as a member of a nation. That's a tremendous thing, right? Again, you know, like the Messiah Sharm talks, you know, beginning of the Messiah Parat Beis talks about, you know, how the purpose of the person in this world is the Elam Haba, right? And of course, Elam Haba, right? Elam Haba is, of course. But, but when we're focused on Elam Haba, sometimes we forget that, you know, Elam Haba is very much about you doing the right thing, doing mitzvahs, and you get to Elam Haba, right? But then, like, again, we spoke about this a few weeks. What about, like, what's the purpose of Mashiach? What was about Eretz Yisrael? What, what's the idea of a history of Klai Yisrael? What do we need a Yiddishkeit even for, right? What do we need Yiddin for? Just do, do what you got to do, and then go to Elam Haba, right? There's, there's something, there's, there's, there's a role of Klai Yisrael here in this world, and there's a purpose to history. Right? There's a Geula, there's a Mashiach, there's a, right? there's a, a, a Melech from Beis David. There's, there's a broad world, there's a, there's a historic purpose of Yiddishkeit, which we need. Again, we, we kind of join that also. Yeah, it will come down from Shemayim and everything will be a nice, and we, don't, we push it out and, and Mashiach is terrible. Right? We don't care about Mashiach, we don't want to ignore it, that's the Chabad. Recognize that there's, you're part of a nation and that there's a goal of you as a Klai Yisrael and you, you're, you're a part of that nation and you have a part of that role, right? You know, business today, it's very important to, you know, everyone should feel a part of the business and know what the goal of the company is. Know what your goal, not just as an individual, what in the Dal Chalki Shekhanach you have to keep, but that what you're doing is part of, 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 a, of a nation building, right? You're building a future world where the entire world comes to recognize Hashem. That puts a tremendous privilege on you and also responsibility. You're not just thinking for yourself. You're not just about whether, you know, whether or not you kept the halacha or not. Right? It's, not, it's, it's also about what, what the, you know, what your, what, how your behavior impacts others. And again, we're, you know, in, in our Masaira, in our yeshivas, we're not outwardly promoting you know, with, you know, with non-Jews. We're not actively... Okay, but you know, think about the way you drive. Think about the way you act in business and how that impacts people's view of Yidin, right? whether you're acting in a, in a way which is consistent with, with, uh, with the ideals of Klai Yisrael, even if you found some you know, loophole, you know, what, what's the, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know my, my friend, uh, the friend who was a Talmud, Rav Miller, he said, Rav Miller said that uh, this was on the case of those Gittin, remember they were forcing Gittin, and uh, right? that seems like a very nice goal, right? You're beating up the husband who's being a jerk, right? Okay, you know what I mean? Rav Shemim Miller held, a Yid can never do something illegal. Right, you can't do you can't do things. Rabbanim, particularly, he was saying, can do things illegal, even if it's you know makes sense. You're setting yourself up for chil Hashem, right? You had a, in today's daf, you have this amazing story of a, of a, of a, of, a chizkiyo, of a tzitkiyo, right? Where he uh, he sees the Buchanetzar eating a live rabbit, right? And uh, he makes him make a neder that I'm not gonna that you're not gonna tell anyone because it was it was embarrassing. Buchanetzar, he should be such an achzer. And Sitkiyo, Mamish wanted to tell someone, right? The, the Ran says it was a Tzarek Mitzvah because he Pasha couldn't get through his day without telling someone. And he's Mat and Neder. And, uh, and, uh, and then Sitkiyo, you know, the Uchanetzah comes and has Tainus on the Sanhedrin, right? Why? Because uh, ultimately this cause of Chil Hashem. Yes, you had a Heter, Tzarek Mitzvah, whatever it is, but you cause a tremendous Chil Hashem. There's a Beis Levi in Parshat Sayesha that says, because uh, there's a Medrash that says what the Sanhedrin, when, when Nuchanetzah, like demoted them, so they were doing tshuva and they invoked Yaakov Avinu mourning over Yosef. So his lady says, What's the Psha? He says, What was Yaakov Avinu? For 22 years, he couldn't comfort himself. He couldn't comfort himself. He says, Yehuda lost two children, and he was, Yehuda. He, was he comforted himself. What was Yaakov? He couldn't, for 22 years, he was crying. He says, he said, Yaakov Avinu knew everyone knew that Yaakov was going to have 12 Shvatim. Right? This was his tafkin in life, was 12 Shvatim, right? Now, you know, the Medrash says that when Leah was expecting her fifth child, she's like, oh, now Rachel's going to have less than the rest. In other words, they knew that there were going to be 12 Shvatim. 
That was his tafkin, that was his purpose, to build the Klai Yisrael, the 12 Shvatim, the 12 stones on the Chayshah, and the 12 Mazalis, the 12 months. That was going to be Klai Yisrael. And when his son died, his entire tafkin in life was over. He failed. He was a failure. Remember, he told you, your mission in life, you are a failure. Right? That's a tremendous tsar. He says, however, he says, wait a minute, why didn't he just find, you know, his wife obviously weren't having children anymore, but why couldn't he marry someone else? Find, get another wife and have more children. He says, well, he made a neder to Lavan. He told Lavan, he made a neder. So, so be mat a neder. Your whole tafkin in life is going to fail. Be mat a neder. Lavan, the crook, says, chil Hashem that it would cause. Yeah, you know, he couldn't, right? so he's willing to, he says, it was an, he says, it was an like the Messiah says, it was an assign like the Akedah. But he had some of you up from, uh, uh, um, from but those are part of the Shvatim. Those are part of the. I know that, but he, if he didn't have to go to the daughters, if he was able to go to maidservant, he could have found another maidservant of Lavan. Yeah, the measure says that they were daughters of Lavan also. Oh, yeah, they yeah. were by Pilachim. Yeah, okay, you have to work all the Majashim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, the Nether also was made after. Maybe after those two, maybe those two were allowed. Yeah. But the point is that, you know, the Chilash, I'm looking at the ramifications of your behavior. And again, it's also in a positive sense. So when you do things, you know, Rav Aaron, you learned the Mentari for Life, where he talks about. Uh, this, this German, that, that, the, the, the Nazi that was put into the, uh, the you know, in Kavanaugh, right? And he helped them make the visas in order to get the Mir Yeshiva out. And, right? and he commented that, you know, he, he, he likes those Jews. He's such a German guy. He's like, so Aaron like pictures, like, you know, Lassel Lovey, some like Jewish, some yucky accountant. You know, a simple Yid is an accomplished Shemayim, and he's going to see on his scale the entire tire of the Mir Yeshiva. He's like, yeah, because he was honest in business and he made a good impression on this Nazi and because of that, the Nazi helped save the Mir Yeshiva. You know what I mean? Like, you know, to make a positive, to think a little bit, again, our Messiah isn't, we're not, you know, Chabad, we're not openly putting ads and proselytizing. Maybe we should do a little bit more. What? But Hirsch never said that. Hirsch never had a happening that Jews should go proselytize. Again, look what he's saying here. He's talking about non-Jews. Yeah, Feed their hungry, clothe their naked, no, comfort their suffering, heal their sick, counsel their misguided, assist them by word and deed. They didn't do a yarmulke to work. Well, they didn't do anything. No, the, no I'm saying, this is was just saying the quiet dignity of being a from you. No, but he's talking about actively helping them, actively doing yeah, chesed yeah. with the whole world. He said, make hospitals, make them sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't mean to go, uh, you know, stand around. I'm about to say, but Ari, she was not even doing that, right? We're not even going and, and giving tzedakah to, 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 you know I mean? We're not, we're not even doing that much, right? For us, it's complete separation. The hospital system has been, already, it's a public but, system. But, but from people aren't building hospital systems for non-Jews. I'm just saying, like, it's I not... Okay, but I'm just saying, so we're not the... But again, to think a little bit outward, to help a little, you know, and employ it. Again, you know, it's, it's, uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a little bit that we can... Just feeling, again, feeling that we're part of something broader. That when we're doing mitzvahs, it's not just, you know, checking off a box, but that we're actually creating something. We're, we're doing a role. We're creating, we have a mission as Yidin. I think is a tremendous thing which could... Uh, yeah. I, know, I think you mentioned, you started with letter one. I think, I'm not sure if this is what you're, what you're saying, is he's saying that this is the happiness. This is a way... To be happy, realizing you just have this topic and you're having certain fulfillment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This, this motivates you, yeah. Yeah, happiness. yeah. Again, you think that in order to, 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 to be happy, you need to have money and pleasure and everything. Recognizing that you know that doing doing you know your rus and Hashem and doing what you see is is that yeah that will bring the bracha yeah for sure for sure today's generation right you started it off just saying that you have the temptations and that's it's not so much a religion it's more about you want to be like the guy because of their right 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 so the way to counter that is by saying he's giving you a way to be happy right even without right.
Right. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking in general, just being thinking a little bit more broad, I think, could make a very big impact on, on our behaviors on day to day. Yeah, why? What? I think he's trying to tell you. Oh, you because the point, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a different point. I'm dealing with an issue of motivation, right? It's very hard for us. We look at it and we're like, hey, I'm inspired, right? Because we're very, very looking inward and everything is a kvetch to recognize that you're part of something broad. And even acting that, you know, acting according to that once in a while, I think could, could, could be a very good motivation. Right? It's a matter of pride and actually motivates a person. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to take him out and apply it to what I think is a challenge you know, for today's dar. Just I'm a general lethargy. You know, I'm like, yeah. You know I mean, recognize that you're part of Kaiso. And then again, and, and two more little points. First of all, the idea of pursuit of pleasure, right? Refers to write someplace else. I forgot where he writes it. To, uh, maybe in Pirkei Avos. He says, why do people run after money so much? Right? People running after money, money, money. He says, pleasure, there's a limit to how much pleasure you could engage in, right? You can only do like one thing at one time, right? And you're limited by time and physical energy and strength, right? But when you have money, money represents unlimited pleasure, right? When you have the millions of dollars in the bank, it means you could, all right, don't make me give like, you know, contemporary examples, you know, about what you can do, but it's like unlimited pleasure, right? You have that money, money in, in, in is money is covered, but money is also pleasure, right? It represents tremendous amount of recognizing what is your purpose in this world. I know it's a cliche, but in the broader picture, Right, that you're here in this world to do what you can given the life you're given. And whatever is setting you in, if that means you having a lot of money, well, how are you going to do it according to what Hashem was? It's not just give the tzedakah and then do whatever the heck you want as long as it's kosher. Right? As long as, right? But it's recognizing that there's a specific role. How do you behave in every circumstance? Just like when you're poor, just like when you're middle class, the, the poor schmucks that are middle class that get completely screwed by everyone. No one cares about them. Right? Those guys are pushing, struggling to make like, you know, they're making a basic parnasa. No one cares about that. Right? Recognize that you doing what you can in the life you're given. Right? That you, you ultimately you will not be judged by how much money you had. You will be judged by what you did with what you were given, whatever that amount is. Whether it's a little bit, whether it's a lot, that is how you'll be judged. And then the third thing, and I think this probably, I will get to this again more in the 18th letter. But I think probably, if I had to, you know, people talk about, you know, I listen to a lot of questions and answers from Arab Apiansky, right? So I get a sense of, of, the, of what... What people think, you know, even, even uh, just on, on Tuesday, someone asked, uh, Monday, he was spoken Passaic, someone asked him, we have, you know, so much, we never had such a thing, we're so, so wealthy and, you know, with money, right? I don't know that that's true. I mean, we've, been, we've had very wealthy times in our history. Like, I think we were never this wealthy, right? It's like a little bit of like, you know, read a history book, like, you know, it's like, well, there were good times also, we were, there were different places, different things. Right? What I think defines America more than anything else is the complete lack of any form of life, any limits on life, right? That's democracy in general. There's just idea, like even, you know, the, the, gen, the gender movement, right? There's no, there's no institution which binds a person. No one can tell you what to do. You do whatever you want. The idea, right? The idea that someone should tell you what to do, right? This is a very American thing. Even in Europe, you have, you're born into a certain society and class, right? In America, you do what you want, right? This is complete limitless in what you can do. But re- what? It's about the individual. Complete individual. Your truth, the way you want to recognize that you have a duty, that it's not just whatever you want, there is a duty that you have as a yid, you have a duty. Right? Again, very foreign to Americans. And again, it's not something which we're going to focus on tremendously because we're Americans and we don't, we don't have to deal with it. But recognize that there is a responsibility. Right? You have a responsibility. Yes, it may be difficult. This is your obligation. Sometimes that means within the broader community, that means listening to a rabbi, even if you think that he's, that he's wrong. Right? It means shalim suit to your shul, shalim suit to a community. Nowadays, I don't like the shul. Go to the next shul. I don't like the school. Right? You just do whatever you want. Everyone can do their own thing. 
but recognizing there's a, you know, that that's not very unhealthy, that's not the way human beings are meant to live, we're meant to live within societies and cultures, and we should allow ourselves, to an extent, to be, you know, to be formed by them, to show suit to them, and again, the, the ultimate society of the Torah. I recognize that we have an obligation, it's not about what we want, and again, not just to just you know, check a box, but to actually embrace it as the most important thing and to go all out, go l'chumra. Just like you're going l'chumra on your kid's bar mitzvah, go l'chumra on, on the, uh, on, uh, what? <laughs> go l'chumra on Yiddishkeit. Be obsessive about what the Torah actually wants in a person. Again, those are three, three things I think that we can take and apply to our own challenges, ideas that we, you know, that, that are first discussed. All right, the next three letters are going to be discussing more historical aspects, the idea of reform, the idea of uh, emancipation, and then, of course, the famous 18th letter, which we'll get to. All right.